Welcome to the How the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, and artists that make up and inspire the Black Hill Press family. Black Hill Press is dedicated to the novella. We believe a great story is never defined by its length. Let's get creative. Hello, and welcome to the How, the Why, brought to you by Black Hill Press. My name is John Barrett Ingalls, and today we are connected with Abigail Beckel, the publisher of Rose Metal Press. Abby, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's start off by uh, getting into what exactly Rose Metal Press is and what sets it aside from other independent publishers. Sure. So we started in 2006. Um, Kathleen Rooney and I are the co-founders. Um, and we publish all hybrid genres. Um, that's our total focus and mission. And part of that mission is to promote them and bring them into, like, wider attention. And um, when we started, we, I guess, I mean, it was we wanted to start a small press. We had worked together on, uh, we went to Emerson College together um, and did our master's degrees there. And we worked on the journal Redivider together and found that we worked well together. But when we were starting the press, we were, both of us at that time were mostly focused our own work around poetry. Kathleen has written many things since. She's written a novel and books of essays and um, nonfiction works and poetry books as well. I still mostly write poetry. Um, but we we felt like the publishing field was very um, sort of genre exclusive or there were just really tight boundaries, particularly in the upper levels of publishing. And a lot of that was driven, interestingly, because it's changed some by the big box bookstores. You know, like if it can't fit in their poetry section or can't fit in their fiction section, you know, then, no they, won't, place for it then. Yeah. they won't buy it and, like, put it on their shelves. And small presses yeah. have a hard time getting into those kind of stories. Anyway, independent bookstores don't seem to have as many problems with crossing lines. Um, but... So the big publishers, you know, they want their books to sell and to find a spot in a, you know, location in a bookstore. So they shy away from things that are hard to categorize. And so we thought, you know, all these people out there are writing these, like, great, interesting things in unusual forms and um, that we want to provide a publishing home for that and try to bring wider attention to non-traditional was there uh, a piece in particular that, uh, or 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 an author or poet in particular who you wanted to find a home for, or or is there something that you both were working on, or what? Um, what was it was it more that? what we were reading. Like so, when we okay. were editing the journal Redivider, we just started to see a ton of flash come in, and we had flash fiction, and we hadn't seen that in too many journals at that time. Um, there were, you know, um, 
Ravi Shepard and James Tom- Thomas's books, you know, Flash Fiction Forward and all those had just, like, come out, sudden fiction. So, I mean, it was happening. Flash Fiction was starting to happen. And, but journals were, some of them kind of flow to start taking it. And we just got kind of excited about it. People were doing prose poetry and people in our um, master's program were talking about, like, what's the difference between prose poetry and flash fiction? And, you know, stuff like that. And all of that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a journal, Double Room, um, and that was cool. It was about, you know, flash fiction, prose poetry. So we didn't, um, Emerson's fiction program, which neither of us were in, is kind of flash fiction focused. And Pamela Painter, who's on our board and has been a um, supporter the whole 10 years, um, she she teaches a lot of flash at Emerson. And she suggested that flash fiction needed more of a home, publishing home, when we were talking about starting a press. So we thought about just doing flash fiction. Um, but we're just interested generally in people doing interesting things with form. So it wasn't actual work that turned us, but more just flash fiction in general needed, right. you know, things needed a home, and there were a lot of people starting small presses, and we wanted to do something that set us apart and that felt necessary, like it didn't exist somewhere else. Now, what do you d- define as, as flash fiction? I mean, I know it's a term that, especially nowadays, you see a lot for uh, journals and, and small presses that are doing collections of it. Um, but I feel like, like 20 years ago, it was short story and then anything shorter than that, I, I don't even know what they called it. But. Right. Yeah. I mean, when we first started, it didn't have the name Flash, really, I don't think. I mean, our first anthology, the first book we published was an anthology of Flash, except we called them short shorts, um, short which shorts, is kind yeah, of... Micro-fiction. Yeah. yeah, the phrase that was going through around. I think that <laughs> among Flash fiction, it maybe have the most monikers of, like, any genre, because in our um, flash fiction field guide, they, Tara Massey, the editor, talks about the many names, and I think microfiction is now, like, stories under 50 words, and there's uh, nanofiction is, like, maybe maybe that's under 50 words, and maybe 20 words, or microfiction is under 100 words. They all have these things, and there's, Quick fiction and sudden fiction, and some people define like we for our, we have a chapbook contest where that's all manuscripts of flash fiction or flash nonfiction, and for those the stories have to be under a thousand words. That's our definition of flash fiction for the contest, um, and generally kind of. And then, but some people define sudden fiction as fifteen hundred words, and you know five hundred words is something else. And there's lots of names: smoke long fiction and I don't know. Do you think that this, like, uh, increase in, in, you know, all the different names of it, but just seeing it more often, is this short attention span uh, kind of world we're living in, Internet world, that we want something that's a little smaller, a little more bite-sized that we can take instead of, you know, having to, oh, I have to read seven pages of this short story. No, it's just two. It's, it's a thousand words and you get the whole story. I think kind of. I mean, I, I do think that that's like the easy thing to say about how we like everything bite-sized and we only read articles that are like a paragraph long and, you know, stuff like that. I actually think that flash fiction and flash nonfiction are kind of special in a different way, not just that we we like to get things over with now, but that they actually work differently than short stories. 
in that they they're just so memorable. Like you're right in the action, and maybe immediacy is more the zeitgeist of the era than a short attention span. You know, like you're like right in it, and then you think about it. Like when we do the when we read for the flash fiction chapbook contest, you know, we're reading these like many, many, many manuscripts of flash fiction. I mean, it's hard to even like sleep because there's so many great flashes and they're just so they're they kind of sting or flat you know, like obviously flashes like but but it kind of stays with you in a different yeah. way than when I read short stories, which I also love. Um but there's just less development. So you you do a lot more mental work because you have to fill in the gaps. I mean, it usually starts right in the middle of the action, or you don't even know who the characters are. And but it just does something kind of um, different. So right. I think it's just a developing, like it's just a different set of tools than you would use for a twenty or thirty page short story. I think. Now you um, focus on. You, you call it hybrid. So flash fiction or short short fiction is one area. Give, give us a, some other examples of what you put into your hybrid term uh, to that that new genre that that uh, is coming out on the scene. So, I mean, we just consider when we have truly open reading periods, we we'll just say, you know, the work has to be something that's not a traditional genre being like essay poem like essay poem line poem regular short story regular novel um so we get all sorts of stuff that's actually more interesting that's another super interesting thing is we have like no idea what people are working on um it can't and it always surprises us how much they're high hybridizing um not only just um between literary genres but you know, novels that are written as computer viruses and things that have movies in them, which we're not even sure how we would publish. But, you know, there's, like, a lot of interesting things happening with people collaborating and or within their own work combining genres. Um, we have published so a lot of flash fiction. We've published quite a bit of prose poetry. Um, we have published flash nonfiction. We have field guides to, to writing the, those three genres, flash fiction, prose poetry, and Flash nonfiction. Um, we have recently gotten really into text and art co- um, collaborations. It doesn't have mm. to be more than one person. It's just um, in in the case in our case, the ones we've published, we've published three. Two have been there's like a poet working with an artist, and one is a poet who did their own art, um, and that's really exciting because all three of those are really different. And we're, we're we actually have a reading period right now. Um, until June 1st for text and image um, manuscripts. We're also reading for prose poetry right now. Um, so you're looking specifically for uh, text and image, and it doesn't, as long as th- that's that's the only generalization of that submission. Yeah, it can be any genre, and people can take that wherever they naturally are going and what they're working on. So that's exciting. Already we're getting some really interesting things in. Um, for that reading period. So we've been really into that because I think there's a lot of movement as um, there's a lot of interest in graphic novels and graphic memoirs and stuff like that, but there's a lot more meat in that the idea of combining text and images than just, you know, like a graphic novel type style, though we love those too. Um, In our case, I mean, one of the ones that we published, I take back the sponge cake, 
by Lauren Erdrich and Sierra Nelson is um, actually a choose-your-own-adventure. And they, the poet and the artist, they didn't, she didn't, the artist didn't even illustrate the poems. Like, they came about, like, it's hard to even explain. They explained it in there. We had them write a little, like, how we did this piece. But they put the art and the poems together, and then at the bottom of each page, there's a, a, a line, and it has a blank, and then there's a set of homophones, like C, S, E, A, and C, S, E, E, and whichever one you choose to finish the line of poetry, it says, you know, go to page 42 or go to page 6. Um, hmm. So it's totally nonlinear, and the art also works with all of that, and it's really exciting. It's a, it is a neat way to make your work communicate in various ways. So when you receive submissions, like during this reading period, what exactly do you look for? Do you look for the avant-garde, the unique, the things that you haven't seen before, or are you looking more on on content and uh, um, style, or you know, a, a voice, or what? What exactly do you look for? You know, as far as like a rose metal aesthetic, it's really developed and evolved over the in years, we we tend to gravitate towards things that, now this is, I mean, things surprise us all the time, so it's not a like hard and fast rule, but it has turned out that a lot of the books we've taken have some sort of, something that ties them together, like an overarching theme, I guess. Like, but most of the first poetry books we published, even though right now we're looking for linked or unlinked, have been linked. Like, one of them was all prose poetry um, about classic video games, or that was the, that's the hook. And he, the way he built the book is, um, you know, you're, you pass each level, so it's like level three, you know, like whatever heart world or whatever. And so that was cool. And the, the last prose poetry book we did was kind of a history of silent film. Um, that one also had art, but, and he used different silent, the history of silent film as sort of a jumping off point. Most of the poems are kind of personal, but you know, that's the sort of overarching thing. Um, that's not something we're actually looking for. It just happens that I think, like, some sort of arc like that or narrative often draws people in. Like, you, you get involved in it. Um, we like things – we don't like things that are too esoteric or too um, out there just to be out there or, like, obtuse just to be obtuse. A lot of the books we publish tend to have a lot of heart, not a lot of sentiment, but more in the, like, funny – sad type um, aesthetic, right. particularly flash fiction. That's kind of flash fiction's one of the big things we see in people's flash fiction is that kind of feeling of sort of odd awkwardness with heart. Um, I'm trying to think about like, what exactly we look for. The biggest thing about what we have determined in looking at lots of hybrid work is that the work, the hybridness of it has to feel essential to the book. Like, you know, when we have a prose poetry reading period, we don't, we hope not to just see people who have, like, taken all the line breaks out of their poems and sent us their manuscript. Right. You know, they, the form, the ones we're drawn to the most, the form feels like it couldn't be in any other form. Like, it had to be in this weird structure or in this genre that maybe we've never seen before or in these many voices of all flashes or poems or, you know, the art is, like, essential to the book, you know? Mm. 
so not that, just that, that's strange hard to, or like, weird for weird sake or... Right, yeah. I mean, like most of our books aren't that weird. It's harder to explain. It's harder to explain the genres than it is to have someone read the book and be like, "Oh, I dig this," you know, yeah. and then trying to explain to them that this is the genre that we think it is is more complicated than them just connecting with the book. So the term hybrid does that was it initially kind of a hybrid of prose and poetry, or just a hybrid of Different forms Just of literature in like general. Like a hybrid, yeah, different forms of literature in general, um, like A plus B equals AB, you know, that kind of yeah. anything. Um, this fall we have an anthology coming out that actually really explores, all of our previous anthologies have been very single genre focused, like we had one last fall about novellas and flash, and, you know, we've had the field guides. But this fall's anthology is um, about eight hybrid literary genres and the introductions really explore the whole idea of hybridity, like back through, you know, things like chimeras and, you know, the phoenix and, you know, different animals and, like, why people have been interested in it and then how that relates to literary hybridity. Um, but it has – we don't even try to um, define – there's a little bit of defining the genres, but there's not a lot – it's more like a family tree. So mm. in that way you can see – how, like, how lyric essay relates to poetic memoir and those two of the sections. And, you know, but it's not like these are the only parents to this genre and this is where it came from. It's more people talking about why they came to the genre and then there's examples of the work. But they talk about, like, why more traditional genres didn't work for their subject or didn't feel write to them because they're more of a hybrid personally or in their family or something like that, you know. But it has, that that anthology has performative work, so like um, novels that have plays in them or poetry that has plays or other performative work in it. It has it has flash nonfiction and flash fiction, prose poetry, epistolary writing, like, you know, letters, and there's a section of um, sex and image graphic text type stuff, and that's really varied. Everything from people making maps and pictures with actual words to, you know, more like illustrated text or comics or that sort of thing. So it's going to be a really interesting book. I think people are going to really like it because it is really open. Instead of, like, trying to close off those genres, it's like this is exactly what it is. Like, every piece that's in it actually, like, blows it wide open, you know, as far as Kind of like the self-defining anthology for your your press. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you also, so aside from you have two reading periods during the year, and then in the summer you do a, a short chapbook contest. Um, when does that reading period start? So that's actually the only reading period we always do, and that reading period is from November first to December first every year, and then we publish it in the the winter in the summer. Um, So this, every other year we have a reading period for um, something else. Usually it's, well, sometimes it's just wide open hybrid work. This time it's like more focused on the text image or prose poetry. Sometimes we read for anthology um, pitches, you know, stuff like that. So we kind of determine it based on our schedule, like how far out we have books and have a reading period. Because you only really you don't release a you like a handful of books each year, correct? 
Yeah, we do three. We do two full length and one chapbook each year. Um, do you solicit authors or poets? We, um, we don't. We uh, everything is we done have, through submission. Yeah, we find that we it just feels broader to us. I mean, if we if we like someone's work, we'll tell them to submit to the reading period. Um, you know, or we've never taken a book just like randomly outside of a reading period. Um, I don't think. We definitely haven't solicited it. It might have been pitched to us. Sometimes we get pitches. I mean, the original pitch for the first field guide was like a random day, and we didn't even know we were going to get into craft guides, but it was a great idea. So um, so sometimes we take pitches. We are, we usually now, because we have so much stuff like lined up, don't take random pitches any day of the week. We'll just have like periods of time where we'll like people can send us ideas. Um, but that's usually... You know, there's a difference between people sending us a pitch letter and sending us their manuscript during a reading period. So we have different times for different people to do that kind of thing. But, you know, we only read a few times a year. You're right, because it yeah. takes a lot of time to put these books together, especially the anthologies. Now, how many submissions do you receive, especially now that you're almost 10 years old? Are you finding that uh, um, it's, like, exponentially more than in the, the first couple of years? Definitely more than the first couple of years. Um, it grows every year. The flash fiction contest, the chapbook contest, is pretty stable. I mean, it grows by like 10 or 20 a year. Like I think we're up to about 140 submissions a year on that. Um, when we have open reading periods, we have a lot more submissions um, because people have all sorts of projects and things. Um, so more like, you know, three to 500 depending on the reading period. Oh. What we're asking for so it's a lot of reading. We have pretty. We have mostly Kathleen and I do. You know, we read everything still, but we also do most of the day-to-day -day work. Um, you know, as small presses, so you know we're small <laughs> and right, we have right. small staff, which is true of many things. But are we you, definitely you, read everything. Are you noticing that uh, the submissions are becoming more in line with what you're looking for, or are people still just kind of? Like, oh, hybrid, here, I, this is a list of, you know, whatever, I don't know, I can't even, I'm not a hybrid writer, so I can't even think of something. But are there are people starting to fall in line with what you're looking for? I think so, yeah. I mean, we get so many interesting things. It's really a privilege to see what people are up to. I mean, we used to get, I guess, as far as what you mean, as far as people understanding what it is, I think definitely in not only for Rose Metal Press, but for, in the general literary world, hybrid is a real buzzword, and people kind of get it now, where it was a lot of explaining in the beginning what we meant by that, and people would sometimes send us manuscripts that were just like a combination of their poetry and fiction together, you know, I mean, just like a collection, yeah. and we're like, you know, these aren't hybrid works, you're just putting your, a couple of genres together in a book, it's not the same thing as having a hybrid form, but we get way less of that now. Um, you know, because people understand what it means to sort of innovate in form. And we get a lot of neat stuff. It's it's impossible to predict, really, because people are just so creative. Very cool. Now, as a publisher, are you also uh, publicists for your authors and poets? So I noticed a lot of your uh, books have gone on to win awards uh, through independent press or um, different different awards. Are you 
sending those books out or are the, the authors and poets doing that themselves? We send those out. Yeah, I mean, we really feel like it's one of the reasons that we keep our list small and, it, you know, we feel like scale is really important both financially and, like, just as far as what we can do. Um, but we want to make sure the books get out there like the you know worst thing for an author is to be so pumped that their book is getting published and then for it to just like be nowhere um you know i mean it's published but then you no know, bookstores have it and nobody's reviewed it and that sort of thing um so we spend a lot of time a huge amount of time we set up 10 to 15 readings per author um for them or with them you know like depending on where they're willing to travel and we send out 40 to 50 review copies and work a lot to get reviews and talk to get interviews and for the authors. And we work hard on that. Yes, we, we do all the submissions to the contest for them. And, um, yeah, we've had a lot of great success. It's very exciting um, to get the, have the books be recognized. Authors get really excited. But, yeah, we spend – so, it's, you know, we do three books a year, so we spend a third of any given year. I mean, it's not like exactly – like that, but right. putting the book together, but also getting ready to really promote it. And we've been doing um, book trailers for most of our books. And yeah, I was going to talk about that. That's who who uh, produces all of those. They're great, by the way. I highly recommend everybody go to your website and check out the trailers. Thank you. Um, different people do them. It depends on that. We let the author brainstorm first, and some of them have friends who are filmmakers or, um, you know, like Kim Henderson works at an art school, Idlewild Arts in California, and they have a huge film department, so the head of film and the students in that department wanted to put her trailer together. We were like, great, sure. Um, other times when the authors have don't have someone in mind, that we have a couple of people that we kind of regularly work with to produce those and have ideas, and we do storyboards with the filmmakers and the author and the authors do voiceover and it's fun because um, it's just it's just fun it's another way to sort of create a hybrid work of a literary work that already exists it's just like a snippet but it's interesting to see how different people imagine you know a trailer sometimes they're really like a collage and sometimes it follows just like one scene from a flash or poem or something so yeah it's a lot of fun and I think it just adds to the reading experience yeah, with the uh, your your newest title in the circus of you, you have uh, the artist did like a stop animation with the work, which was really beautiful. Yeah, she she's amazing. She that's just one of the things she does. Cheryl Gross, um, she did a much longer version too. I don't know if you watched that one, but there's like a 15 minute or 10 minute um, version of like of a stop animation of different parts of In the Circuits of You, and that's been shown, like, all over the world at the Zebra Festival and Film Festival in Germany and, like, the longer film. But, yeah, she's terrific at that. She's obviously an incredible illustrator, yeah. too. I mean, she and Nicole Davis did that book together. So that was that was all her. She created that. We didn't even have to storyboard that one. They were all over it. So, um, so I have another question, not even a question, but here, here at Black Hill Press, uh, we have a, a project that we started earlier this year called Routinology, where we talk about the routines of, of creative people. You know, we talk about like what their 
setup is at their desk, what they need every time before they sit down to either read through a slush pile or, or just sit down and write. Um, so I like having everybody I, I have a conversation with talk a little bit about their routine. So do you have a specific routine of, of how you work or what you need around you, like what type of music you listen to? If you need a giant mug of green tea or cappuccino, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I, I definitely am not on the wild side of that spectrum, but I um, I definitely always have tea. I'm a big tea drinker. Um, I would say I work out of the house. I have a small office in the house. And so I would say that the first hour of email response is usually in pajama pants, and then I move on to um, regular clothes for the day. Um, but so, you know, I I kind of get right to it. Like I get up and get like right on the computer. I, I work a lot. Um, so there's, you know, I do love, I have a really beautiful window in front of the computer, and so I spend a lot of time staring out the window while I'm doing creative things. Um, uh, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, I have a, you know, nice view, good tea, yeah. lots of great things to read. You're an early morning person? No, not really. Yeah. I mean, I would say I'm more of a night owl. I often work late and um, before I did this full time I rose metal was always at night because I had another job during the day and so that's you know been a hard pattern to break because I do like I do like the nightlife um, I tend to stay up late and have a lot of good ideas in the wee hours um, so. very cool you ah I, there was one other thing that I forgot to, to talk about, but maybe we'll just get that in right here at the end. Uh, I know you do a lot of uh, your books as ebook. How does being a hybrid, having you know different formats and illustrations, how do they translate to the ebook book form? So I know I've talked to a lot of poetry uh, publishers or who have struggled with keeping the format or transitioning the format into an e-reader. Yeah, that's really tricky. We actually haven't had a lot of success with that either. All of our prose titles are, or mo most of our recent prose titles and all the um, field guides are in ebooks. But we haven't been able to figure out um, how to get books like All Movies Love the Moon that has the artwork from the silent films or In the Circus of You, which we were just talking about with illustrations by Charles Gross. We haven't actually figured out how to get them. They, they, they don't work in a like a Kindle or Nook format. You can do a fixed form PDF, um, you know, so that that people can download. But it's right. not the same as like pulling it up on your Kindle Fire or whatever. Um, so we actually haven't had a lot of success with that. It's something that we're working on, and we're gonna. It's on our list of like development things is trying to figure out how to get those books into a more into a form that works because. The art is so integral to the um, to, to the, the work form, itself, yeah. the, to the work that it just it, you know it has to work together in the way that it works together in the book, or it's not really representing what the author wanted. On the flip side of that, most of our poetry books that don't have art are prose poetry, so the line breaks don't matter. So that's made them easy to convert into ebooks. Um, so that's one plus for the hybrid, is that. Uh, the poetry is easier because line poetry is very difficult in, in e-readers as well. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's something to work on. I'm actually hoping that it will be less us working and more the e-book sort of catching up 
they've been they've been the, that industry has like grown so much and has developed so much over the last few years that I feel like they'll solve, sort out these problems with poetry and with adding art where you want it like in time and we'll just be able to yeah, do it soon. I think it has to be the technology adapting to the work, not the other way around. It needs to be that. I think so. Yeah. Well, Abby, thank you so much for your time and uh, for for all of the information. I, I hope everybody gets an opportunity to go and check out rosemetalpress.com and definitely look at the uh, trailers for all of your books. It seems like most of the newer works that you have have a trailer for them, which are really fun to watch. Um, yeah, thanks and, so much for helping promote hybrid genres, and it's been great to talk to you, John Barrett. Yeah, it's my pleasure. This has been The How, The Why by Black Hill Press. I'm your host, John Barrett Ingalls. The show is produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly, with production assistance by Sarah Becker. The music is Maya Lua by Basa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration, and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.